Hello and welcome to the Supernatural Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill, and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. And today we're going to talk about something that I think everybody in the world needs to listen to this podcast, but most people won't want to hear what we've got to say, right, Dan? Yeah, this one's going to cut close to home for most of us, including me. Yeah. Today we're talking about alcohol. Now, I'm just, like I said last week on the last podcast we did, that um, I've just passed now, well, <laughs> I thought I've passed the six-month mark, but Stephen pointed out that it was the start of the six-month mark. So this is my sixth month of um, not drinking alcohol. And um, yeah, had I known all the stuff that I didn't give up for any particular reason, just that I don't like being ens- enslaved to anything. And I just wanted to see what, if I could really. But now having researched all this, I think, shit. <laughs> yeah, what started out was a test of your willpower. Now you've dug into it a little bit deeper and you realize yeah. then the actual horrendous negative health effects of alcohol, then you're probably glad that you, you, you gave it up. But interestingly, oh. mm. yeah, I think you said last week on the podcast that like, you haven't had this miraculous, like life-changing experience coming off alcohol, but the, the, you didn't, you weren't like a bloody alcoholic, were you? So, no. but you probably have gained health effects. Just by looking at the research, you kind of helped but get healthier <laughs> because yeah. alcohol is so bad for you. Exactly. And um, had I known all of this stuff that we're going to talk about, I would have given it up about five years ago. Mm. We're going to give the, the listeners some pretty harrowing stats and negative health effects. And it really makes you question, why is it even legal? <laughs> like, it's it's and, it's shocking it, yeah. when you... But it really makes you, well, me particularly being a conspiracy theorist, but like there's hard evidence that things like alcohol and smoking and sugar and a few other things are, are so bad for your health. Like they cause cancer and death rates or whatever go up massively, but they're all legal and pushed on us every day through society. It really makes you question whether the people who make the rules actually care about your health. That's something for the listeners to think about. Yeah. And how it, is alcohol is ingrained in our society and how if you are say that you don't drink like you're looked at like some kind of weirdo like why what's wrong with you are you pregnant or have you got something wrong with you well nobody would say that to me now but like (laughs) back in the day but if uh yeah people think there's something wrong with you if you stop drinking yeah and when you're uh, in your teenage years i remember like looking forward to like being 16 17 when you can like Everything, your social life, I don't know, for me, it just happened automatically. It just went from, we just like played as kids almost, playing football and stuff. And then like some kind of trigger when we were 16, 17 was like, right, now our social life's going to revolve around, first of all, trying to get alcohol. <laughs> and then and then what do we do on a Saturday and a Sunday? Will we, we get drunk and we experience with alcohol? It just seemed totally normal. And it was a very smooth transition. White lightning seem, down the riverbanks. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't seem to, yeah, going in like one of my pa- uh, mate's parents' bloody drink cabinet and getting like an empty bottle of Fanta and putting, you know, vodka in there and brandy and stuff. And it was like, you'll probably fuel your car with it thinking back. It was horrendous, but <laughs> it was like such an adventure and it was exciting and it was, yeah, and it was a very smooth transition. It was, yeah, it's hard for kids to avoid, I think. I think it is as well, definitely. And as the mother of two boys, I think um, I've got all that to come to. But yeah, like you say, I, like, I'm from a family of drinkers. Like my dad is a big drinker. My mom wasn't actually a big drinker, but it's like um, my dad still is a drinker. He loves whiskey. 
and um yeah my auntie my cousins everybody like if you go to a family gathering that's it it's like wine out everything you know it's just part of yeah. the, the thing that you yeah. do yeah my my family aren't like massive drinkers but they're probably just like just normal nearly every one of them does drink yeah. to, to, to some degree just like me um so that's like a, a good point really because before we jump into all uh the reasons why alcohol is horrendous <laughs> we're gonna scare the <laughs> life out of people it's um like you said it's ingrained in society it's been around for thousands of years i think the research that i did it was since 7000 bc they found remnants of cultures drinking then so 7,000 bases, that's over 9,000 years that we know about alcohol has been consumed in society. So it's not new. It's, it's almost part of the human existence. And um, I, was, I read a quote from Jordan Peterson, and he said, you need to find something more meaningful than alcohol if you have a problem. Because let's face it, alcohol is a hell of a drug. It's, <laughs> it's like the reason we all drink or most of us drink is because it's a really good short-term experience if done you know, safely. So all these health... The negative health effects that we're going to talk about it's we can kind of forgive ourselves for them because it feels so good in the short term <laughs> so you know it's, it's it's a difficult one isn't it you can't deny that you have fun when you're drunk with your friends like it is it's a good time isn't it yeah yeah but it, but it definitely comes with a consequence which is often not thought about or, or given to us especially as kids yeah and I think when you're young you can take take it better your body's more designed to cope with it but then as you get older and I'm coming at this from a very much a midlife woman kind of perspective, then you really, really have to analyze your relationship with alcohol mm. and decide, is it serving you or are you serving it? Yeah. Because there comes a point where your things that you do for fun can become detrimental. Mm. Any, anything has a sliding scale, doesn't it? Yeah, I think for if you have uh, a couple of glasses of wine on a weekend, you're probably going to be okay in general. Like you, obviously there is negative health effects, but th that's you know there comes risk in everything. If you live the eighty twenty rule, yeah, you can probably balance it out. But if you have a couple of glasses of wine a night, then it's a crutch and it's not serving you anymore, is it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, let's see. I'll just let's have a look at what how many units we should be having a week shall we um yeah. so men and women it's the same which is interesting this i just got this off the nhs website because um alcohol affects women differently to to the two men um but the units are the same it's 14 units per week no more than 14 units per week um 14 units equals six pints of average strength beer or 10 small glasses of low strength wine so um, a, a, a normal bottle of wine contains 10 units. So and, like I and would what, drink. And, and 14 was the limit. Yeah, 14 was the limit. Yeah. A standard glass of wine is two units. A large, gla large glass of wine is three units. Um, so like for me, when I was drinking, <laughs> I used to have like, say, a couple of glasses on a Friday night, a couple of glasses on a Saturday and maybe a glass on a Sunday. So I would say like a bottle over a weekend. So I was well within the, the healthy healthy range of recommended alcohol um so i was never a big drinker but i would say even now that that was too much like yeah and that's only the like here comes the debate really what's if four who decided 14 units was healthy yeah. if, if you look at the negative health effects there's there, there should be zero <laughs> like it's a there hard is fact no healthy level of there, there is no healthy level at all 
14 units could not even touch somebody. They couldn't even feel drunk off 14 units. Whereas somebody else who uh, was half the size and half the weight, 14 mm-hmm. units could knock them on the backside. Like, yeah. so, so it's, there is no safe limit at all. I think that's what we need to really realize that there is no safe li- limit of no, alcohol. Exactly. When I was pregnant, like they used to say, oh, you can have like a glass of wa- one glass of wine a week or something like that. Mm. Now they're saying like no alcohol for pregnancy. And I just think that that's, that's right. I, I yeah. didn't drink when I was pregnant either. It's like the NHS saying, look, we know smoking is bad for you, but if you keep it to like five cigarettes a week, that's the limit. <laughs> Anything over that and you're taking your life in your own hands. It's, you know, it's strange, isn't it? That they know it's so bad for you. Yeah. But they still kind of advise you that, you know, you can still have some. So that's, yeah, it's, I find no, that a bit it's weird. weird, isn't it? I find that weird that, yeah, because they're making so much bloody money off it. Well, yeah, exactly. When you follow, follow the money, most, most industry, it's all about, you know, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense, does if it? If they were bothered about our health, they would have shut McDonald's down. They would have bloody stopped us drinking alcohol, stopped us smoking. But yeah, of course. I mean, it's you must I have mean, the, the blinkers on if you can't see that. They should put put the tax on cigarettes and alcohol rather than petrol. Mm. Yeah, like you said, it's it doesn't take a genius to figure out a lot of these things. They're literally killers, aren't they? But they're still allowed in society. So, but end of the day, most people are adults make their own choices, and we know alcohol and cigarettes and crap food are bad for you. And yet, you have a choice. But it's a bit unethical that they still are pushed on you every day, isn't it? Yeah, if I was prime minister, I'd switch the tax system around. I'll tax McDonald's. Yeah, well, then comes the question, does the Prime Minister actually make any decisions? Is it? And know, is the it's... Prime Minister the health icon that we all want to... Um... Yeah, don't take your health advice from sick people, what they say. Yeah, true. Yeah. Anyway, we've already gone on a tangent. <laughs> that didn't <laughs> take you were talking one. about, like, this is weird, right? <laughs> While you were talking about um, how old alcohol is, right? This, this thought in my head, because um, did you read this thing in that paper this week? This is totally an aside issue that um, they've discovered that people who are suffering from COVID really bad have this genetic kind of like, kind of ripple. <laughs> and it's a, it's a minor defect in the genetic code. And they found it in, in all of them. It's not a defect. It's just like a change. And it's because like, it's called, it's about the butterfly effect. You know how a butterfly can beat its wing and change something in the world. Yeah. Uh, apparently like thousands of years ago, and this is just the way that reminded me of, like a human had sex with a Neanderthal Right, and um, that offspring carried that genetic, like code, and so every now now every offspring of that, and it's mainly in India and mm. um, of Indian descent, and um, there was some I can't remember European as well, um, so they have that genetic code from that offspring of um, the interaction between a Neanderthal and a human, and I was thinking, I wonder if alcohol was involved in that. Union, which then now has. <laughs> yeah, I think you you need something stronger than alcohol to shag a monkey. <laughs> yeah, no, we monkeys when they were human. They were humans. Apparently, you could. Um, <laughs> apparently, you could not tell the difference between a Neanderthal. If a Neanderthal walked into your camp, you wouldn't be able to really tell the difference. Oh, okay. Anyway, that was just a little aside but isn't that interesting that like yeah. something so small like has a ripple effect out like um he was have you told the people yet or was it when we were talking before about how many people statistically are um addicted to alcohol uh no so this i just got the stats for england mm-hmm. and it was six hundred thousand people are dependent drinkers 
And that's wow. the ones that, 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 uh, that are obviously known about as well. 600,000. So in my head, I do this weird thing where like it's hard to imagine 600,000 people because it's such a big number. Yeah. So what I do, this is my little weird way. I know that Old Trafford, where Man United play, <laughs> holds 80,000 people. <laughs> so I think like yeah. that's approaching, what's that, like maybe eight times. If you fill Old Trafford like eight times, that's how many people are dependent on alcohol. And that's just when you're like talking about dependent such on a alcohol, big number. Like, yeah, alcoholics, like, they need it, yeah, every day. So that's the people who are reported alcoholics as well. Yeah, yeah. so there's probably others who are, it's unreported or the kind of borderline, you know what I mean? So Yeah, I reckon a there's massive a number. massive number of people who are alcoholics who don't register, <laughs> register. I don't know what oh, yeah. that's the word, yeah, but yeah. like aren't on the, on the radar. It's dead funny because like, I hope they never listen to this podcast, right? But we've got some new neighbours moved in and um, put the recycle bins out the other day because the recycle bins mm-hmm. haven't been emptied for like, because it was a bank holiday last week. And so it's not like I've been analysing or judging them in the bins, right? But you can't help. They've got two massive big green bins out, right? You know, the green box bins. Yeah. You can see everything absolutely stocker full of yeah. beer bottles, but there's four massive gin bottles in there as well. Putting some serious stuff away then, aren't they? I know. I was like, oh my God, they've only just moved in and they've gone through all of that. Yeah. Maybe just put I it down and move, judging them moving already. in party, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. must have had a party, but I didn't see any evidence of a party. They never invited me anyway, so. Yeah, they're having they a party. There's that stuck up cow who doesn't drink up the street. Yeah, there's her in the garden, growing, growing her organic kale and meditating <laughs> in the garden. You know, what a buzzkill, making us feel guilty. <laughs> what if I heard about our alcohol-infused party? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that is a heck of a lot of people. And I reckon that, that there's more people who are addicted to alcohol and you know like what counts as an addiction an addiction is something a hab- what does Paul Check say is a habit that you continue to do that you know doesn't bring about the, a result that you want mm. is that the, the- yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's something like that but then there's there's probably <laughs> there's people who like a lot of us a lot of culture like a binge drinkers we, we might not drink all week but then we have like our whole weekly allowance and more in one day mm. and that's really detrimental as well i don't know whether that you class as is an addiction because addiction in my mind is every day but if you do it every saturday relentlessly through your whole yeah. life are you addicted to that um it's like you say there's a there's a scale isn't there and it's hard to put a definition on it but six hundred thousand every day drinkers that's that's a massive number in my mind and i would think it would be more and um and it went up during covid i think as well people were drinking in the house Oh, God, so the, yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. So the, the next stat is in, in 2020, there was 7,500 deaths directly related to alcohol. Um, this, that was a 20% increase from 2019, which, again, just makes you think of COVID, people in the house drinking more. So 7,500 just specifically related to alcohol. But there's probably hundreds of thousands of cases of, like, cancer and heart disease and liver disease Um which is that long-term alcohol effect. Yeah, indirect yeah. effect. Sorry, yeah, it's a term. Um, a third of all road traffic accidents are alcohol-related. That's not a, that's not like a specific wow. stat, but there was like a generalisation. That's like nearly around the world as well. A third of all traffic deaths are alcohol-related. That is just crazy, isn't it? I wonder if you add them all together, how much that actually... Because, you know, like how it, we were getting reported every day of the COVID deaths and all of that around the world. Yeah. This, this is what they should be reporting. 
with yeah. alcohol and tobacco and the sugar deaths. Like, yeah, and it's and it's shocking because a lot of the COVID deaths, they were like obviously they were given like a running daily count of how many people were dying, yeah. but it wasn't saying like out of the eight thousand people who died or whatever it was, five thousand of them had uh they already had heart disease or they already had diabetes yeah. so that that wasn't taken into account it was a, it was a biased judgment wasn't it yeah so like if you did actually did the alcohol stats they'd be like massively higher than the covid deaths and like yet yeah, nobody's running around going don't drink alcohol yeah so if the if on sky news every day they had a running count of how many people died of smoking alcohol and obesity and mm. diabetes and they had a running count like, yeah why don't they do that that kills far far more people probably like 50 100 times more people than COVID ever will so why yeah. is that on there again when you like when you dig deep you need to start questioning things don't you you need to start questioning who's yeah. actually looking out for our health here guys and where's the money coming from yeah and this comes with like a little bit of a for me personally as well like a, like a little bit hypocritical because I still now and again I eat shit food and I do drink alcohol um but I'm aware that I'm under no illusion I should say that it's bad for me <laughs> and I feel yeah, like exactly. an idiot when I do it but hey I'm, I'm not perfect no none of us are perfect but yeah. you know what you can make your choices can't you and if yeah. uh, so um here's some of the reasons why I'm going to go into it because we need to and alcohol is toxic and there is no safe level of alcohol to be taken into your body end of story right no there's no scientific evidence to say that alcohol is good for you in any way which or form and any of the research that has come out has now been significantly debunked along yeah. the way over the years i mean everyone's heard it when people say oh red wine's good for you it's got resveratrol in and yeah it's kind of it doesn't work that way does it but the, really like when i start doing the research the first thing that hit me is if you just put alcohol in to um, like a dictionary or Google ever, and you get the definition. <laughs> so it comes up as this is how bad it is for you: a colorless, volatile, flammable liquid <laughs> um, by naturally fermented sugars, fruit, grains, or vegetables. Also used as an industrial solvent and as fuel. <laughs> <laughs> so a colorless, volatile, flammable liquid. Oh God! I mean, Do you yeah. want to put that in your body? So imagine if you didn't call it. Um, you didn't call it red wine from the hills of California. Imagine if on the label it just said a colorless, volatile, flammable liquid. <laughs> they won't <laughs> you drink it, people they? drinking it. Have you seen uh, those packs of uh, things on tobacco packs now? Like where they're showing you the cancerous oh, lungs yeah. and stuff. Like black oh, lung. God, it's horrible. Mm. Anyway, um, so I'm coming at this from a slightly different angle that you'll be coming at it, but let's go through some of the things that alcohol that reads. And if I'd known this, I would have actually given it up like, 15 years ago i think um so our body is designed for detoxification we've got some massive detoxification systems in our bodies um lungs liver kidneys skin breath. bowels breath. i think you said lungs yeah 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 so some some of the big things that are in our bodies are just there to get stuff out of our bodies basically aren't they and alcohol completely uses up all of those systems and completely fucks them up basically all of them um so one of the things i'm going to talk about is alcohol is bad for sleep and um if you're a peri to postmenopausal woman then you really need to be working on sleep because we have lots of things that disrupt our sleep like night sweats and circadian rhythms and things like that so alcohol is um complete dis sleep disruptor and that's one of the reasons why i stopped in the first place was because i knew every time i had 
wine. Well, I stopped red wine to start with because every time I had red wine, it completely messed up with my sleep. I'd fall asleep all right, but then I'd be awake from like two or three o'clock in the in the morning and then that would be it. And then I would be knackered for the rest of the day. And then that's the kind of thing that messes up with you, your um, food because then you're just on that whole sugar, caffeine. You need caffeine to wake yourself up at the right time and then you crash and then you need sugar to boost you again mid-morning and then... So you're on that roller coaster, which I hate that roller coaster. I just cannot get on it anymore. I just it just wrecks my life. Yeah, that chain reaction is a big one for alcohol. Yeah. It doesn't really it's it can be hard to join the dots, but when you when you do look at it, like you said, so you, you imagine you have a few drinks, so you get drunk the night before, then you don't sleep as well. Then your diet goes to shit the next day. You're less productive the, the Monday at work. Um, the chances are you're, not, you're going to skip workouts and then next thing you know else. you still yeah. feel shit so what you do some people have the hair of the dog they have another glass of wine just so they can sleep that night <laughs> and then yeah just to make them feel better to... they have another glass of wine on the night and then you're back into that whole thing and and for me it wasn't even a large amount of red wine that would mock up my system it was like a small and then so I stopped drinking red wine and then I started on white wine and then it mm. I've really tried always to drink to be fair I've tried every method you know like (laughs) to to get alcohol to work for me but I cannot have anything messing up with my sleep sleep is my keystone habit and Mm. everything else relies on everything else who everybody else who relies on me to go and teach classes my kids my dogs they need me to have sleep (laughs) yeah that's that's a really good way to think about it actually yeah you don't do it at some point you whatever works for you, whatever trigger works. Yeah. Don't do it for you. Do it for people who rely on you, like be a role model. Um, And obviously you're going to feel the benefits yourself, definitely, but it's going to have a wider impact, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So um, alcohol is, um, so long-term alcohol use can reduce melatonin, which is your sleep hormone and it disrupts your circadian rhythm. So your circadian, have we done a podcast on circadian rhythms? Well, we did the six foundation principles really and sleep is in there. So yeah, we should maybe do one on circadian rhythms because they're so important. And it's like, it's not just about like getting up at the same time every day, but it's about the times when your hormones get released. You know, we're kind of a bit Pavlovian. Like my dogs know exactly what time it is when they're going to get fed because they come and just like literally on the dot every Mm. day they come and they start nudging us and, and they know what time it is. And we're the same and we've got to, and like your body produces certain hormones at certain times and releases enzymes in your stomach and acids in your stomach when it believes that food's going to come in. And we don't want to disrupt those rhythms because they're really, really important. And alcohol is a massive disruptor of your circadian rhythm. So, and it can really mess with your endocrine system. So yeah, alcohol can also worsen the hot flashes and night sweats as well. There you go for the yeah, I imagine they're bad enough as they start, never mind worsening them. Exactly. When your whole body just goes hot, like massively hot from inside. Yeah. Then you sweat. Not pleasant. And embarrassing as well when it happens. But alcohol can actually worsen that whole system. So Yeah, it's 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 strange because the with alcohol, with like I suppose a lot of things that are bad for you, really. It's the it's difficult because the, the, the short term feels really good. Mm. But if you you need to get into your head that the, the long term feels really bad. But it's when something's long term, it's it's like at a lower level for a longer time. It's hard to put a finger on where it's coming from. 
Yeah. But to get out of that, you want the short term high. But that's the thing that's actually making you bad. <laughs> it's yeah, difficult, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's true. So. It's true. Yeah. Shall I crack on with the next one? Yep. So that one was sleep. Um, that was the reason I did it. Alcohol actually shrinks your brain. And in particular, the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that regulates your stress response. So alcohol can make your stress response more alert. Um, the result is a complete dysregulation of your stress response. So you can get stressed by things that wouldn't normally stress you out. Mm. Um, and it's not a good situation to be in if you are having a hormonal Oh, like if you're having any upheaval in your life, but particularly a hormonal upheaval, you don't want to be stressing out the response that's there to, designed to protect you. But also, yeah, any kind of upheaval in your life, you don't want to be messing with the stress. If you've already got a really high, highly regulated stress response, you don't want to be messing with that and turning up the volume on it a little bit. Yeah, so it is um, when people have anxiety, so I, I said this off air when I, if I ever have a real drink and I get hung over, it's what we get called the beer fear. So I got like not an anxiety attack, but I do feel really anxious the next day when I'm hung over. Mm. That's one of my symptoms. I don't know. If, I don't think everyone gets it, but it's definitely a thing. But I wonder if that is just an over-exaggerated stress response. Yeah. I wonder if that's what anxiety is. It's, it certainly sounds the same, doesn't it? So yeah. Um, I know it's yeah, alcohol affects your central nervous system as well, which obviously plays into becoming anxious but that's not a nice feeling I don't miss that at all no no so if you're already a highly stressed out person and a lot of people take alcohol to help with their stress when actually it's probably the worst thing to do because it's just adding to your stress mm. yeah that's the thing they want the short-term escapism from the stress yeah and initially it does it works it works for that hour or two or three or whatever but long term it. it makes it worse yeah it's, you have to you have to make that connection yeah and this is a biggie. Alcohol damages the gut microbiome. It activates mast cells and histamine. You know, like when you get hair fever, you take antihistamines. You don't want histamine activated in your body. That's like your inflammatory. Those are those two things that are infl inflammatory markers. And it promotes intestinal permeability, which is also called leaky gut syndrome, which is um, where you get micro tears in your gut and then the food that you eat kind of can escape straight into your bloodstream without it being processed properly. So it kind of is a toxic um, place to be. Um, if you've got leaky gut syndrome, it can bring down, really bring down your immune system, um, cause allergies, skin problems, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's not great, is it? No, it, it acts as a, it gets called a blocking agent. So if you drink an alcohol with a meal, which a lot of people do, um, the, the alcohol stops or slows down um, or decreases, sorry, the absorption of vitamins, nutrients, minerals. Um, so you might have a glass of wine with a really healthy meal, but the alcohol acts as a blocking agent and all those good things from the meal don't actually get through and work in your body. So it, it blocks them out. So the alcohol is not just having a detrimental effect of just alcohol itself. It's stopping all the good stuff from working if you're having it with a meal. So it's like a double whammy, really, if you're having a glass of wine before you, you have your tea. Yeah. Yeah, it's not not good. And really, the gut microbiome, it feeds, it's where serotonin is made. So you feel good. Hormones are all made in your gut. So if you're killing all your gut microbiome, then you're never going to get those nice feelings as well. And that's mm. how can add to the they say alcohol is a depressant, isn't it? And that's probably one of the reasons why, because it's killing all the, the good gut 
in your the good yeah. bacteria in your gut. Yeah, a lot of the research these days around gut health, saying that uh, depression, anxiety, a lot of the hormones responsible for these imbalances come from the gut. So if you're putting this, let me use the phrase again, colorless, volatile, flammable liquid into your gut, and it's just a poison. If you're poisoning the area which is responsible for hormone production, then no wonder your, uh, your feelings are, are going to be messed up. Like me, if I get if I get the beer for you, hungover, no wonder I feel anxious and you know stressed out the next day when I'm hungover, because all of the area where which produces all these uh, hormones in in correct balance is just being carpet bombed <laughs> by this fucking poison. Like mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't take much really to put two and two together to see why that happens. Exactly. Um, my next point is alcohol stimulates appetite in women in particular, and so it can lead to overeating. I think it also does in men as well. And it's like, like that next day after you've had a alcohol thing, you want to eat loads of greasy, fatty foods, don't you? Yeah. And sugary foods. And yeah, so it actually stimulates your appetite. And, you know, like I could see this, like if I was say, having a glass of wine on a night with my tea, I'd be thinking, oh, what can I have to go with my glass of wine? <laughs> you know, afterwards. Totally. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, and again, the chain reaction which we spoke about before. The next day, people wake up and they just they want that crap meal, and they say, oh, "This is like the the term I always used to use. This is going to make me or break me." Like <laughs> that first yeah. meal of the day. Ugh. You know, it's, yeah, I it's, don't miss that feeling at all. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. It's, and like you say, but yeah. when you're younger, you can get away with it because your body's a bit more. Yeah, and you've got bit more robust. And stuff, have you? Yeah. you know, like you can bounce yeah. back quicker, can't you? But oh god, yeah. Um, alcohol can make it harder to build both healthy muscle and healthy bones, something that we all want and need as we age, especially um, sarcopenia, which is age-related muscle loss and osteoporosis, which is age-related bone density loss, happens to men and women, particularly women through menopause. And alcohol just fuels that loss. Yeah, and it's interesting that you, you speak about like menopausal women and as you age it's really bad for you and then on the other side of that i imagine when you're really young and you're going through puberty and if you get into heavy drinking like in your early teenage years that's surely got to be really detrimental for your your growth Mm -hmm. yeah exactly so that's a really important time in your life going through uh going through your growth spurts and if you're bombarding yourself with alcohol when you're like 15 16 and then in your early 20s that's surely got to have some sort of long-lasting effect on your bone health from the initial get-go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your like, bones, you don't mess with your bones, do you? Oh, God, no. And and like we said off air, this is true for everyone. No no one likes the taste of alcohol the first time they try it. You, <laughs> you just do it because you want to be part of the crowd. No no man has a first, his first can of lager and thinks, oh, that was delicious. <laughs> I can't <laughs> wait for another one. You, you literally force it down and you build your yeah. tolerance over time. Um. Obviously, there is some like some wines do taste nice, but as an initial first try of alcohol, no one likes it, and that's that's a sign right there that it's not good for you. <laughs> and and this one, I think this is really important for women of all ages to understand: alcohol impairs estrogen metabolism, which is why it is a risk factor for estrogen-related conditions such as fibroids and breast cancer. Even one drink per day significantly increases the risk of breast cancer and alcohol is estimated to be the sole cause of at least 8% of breast cancers. Uh, That's a massive red flag right there, isn't it? Just listen to that. 
<laughs> rewind it and listen to that. And if that does not stop you from drinking, then I don't know what will. Yeah, or at least reduce your drinking. Because what was that? One a day. One a day, yeah. So even if you you just did it for, you know, you reduced one, from a, one a day to one <laughs> a week, yeah, once once in a weekend, then you at least reduce it. Because I imagine if you very unfortunately get the news that you have breast cancer, it must be so heartbreaking to family, you, family, friends. And if you can then associate that with all the drink you've had, you probably, you'd wish you never had a drink ever in your whole life. So let me just read this quick sentence. When it comes to breast cancer, the risk from alcohol is greater than the risk from any type of menopausal hormone therapy. Cause they always say HRT can increase your risk of breast cancer. Mm. And most experts agree that the safest amount of alcohol is none. Yeah, that's like going back to what we said at the very start. All the studies show that there is no safe <laughs> There is yeah. no safe amount. Let's yeah. just stop fooling ourselves. That, the, yeah. that what you're doing is a healthy thing. It is not healthy. It's um, completely um, a toxin. It's a poison and it creates inflammation and all sorts of damage. It does damage to your body every time you take a drink. Yeah. And some people get addicted and they know it's bad for them. Other people are in denial, but at the end of the day, it's for most people, it's escapism. I think, isn't it? Of they just want to like a hard day at work. They just want to escape from whatever hard truth that they need to deal with. It's escapism. Then people who keep going back to it consistently. There's a phrase that I like is it, people are trying to find happiness in the same place where they lost it. So if you're yeah. an, if you're an, if you're an alcoholic, sometimes where you've lost your happiness is being an alcoholic. So you're not happy anymore, but then to get that short-term happiness back, you're trying to find it in the place that you lost it. It was the drink that caused you to be unhappy in the first place. Mm -hmm. So trying to find happiness in the same place you lost it makes no sense, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Strange, isn't it? I know. I've got some um, things around it because if we haven't convinced you already that alcohol is really bad, this might convince you. And um, the amount of calories in alcohol. Because <laughs> you know how people love a calorie count. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a standard glass of wine has 133 calories in it. You know, these are like empty calories as well, isn't it? So yeah. if you're trying to do like, you know, the healthy calories a day, like 2,000, um, 1,800, whatever, like drinking a couple of glasses of wine a night, that's a kind of high high amount. You could easily get up to mm. a quarter of that. A pint of beer, 239 calories. A double gin, 95 calories. And then, of course, you mix it with stuff. So add that in as well. All adds up, doesn't it? It all adds up. And if you so, think you're just having like a, a a large glass of wine, let's say, like round 250 calories, one a day. Over a year, it's, it's like pounds of fat, isn't it? That is pounds of fat. You need to, yeah. um, to lose one pound of fat, you need to be in a 3,500 calorie deficit per month. So these, um, so it's important if you, if you're on some sort of a weight loss program where you, you count calories and you're saving your calories for alcohol consumption, it's even worse because what you're doing is you're then you're replacing the calories that you would normally have through food with alcohol. So not only are you getting the damage from alcohol, you don't have any nutrients going in from food. To repair it. To repair it. So it's even worse if you're saving if you're saving your calories for alcohol consumption, there's no good stuff going in and you're saving it for the bad stuff. <laughs> it's completely backwards. 
You yeah. see the, um, I remember my auntie, she used to be a blooming Weight Watcher queen or Slim and Well queen or something. She used to do exactly that, save her calories for a Saturday to go out drinking. Yeah. And she lost weight. She lost a lot of weight, but oh, she didn't look healthy on it. And it's like, it's yeah. that whole weight loss. Do you want to actually lose weight or do you want to just actually live a healthy lifestyle and naturally lose the weight? Yeah, that's why you kind of get focused just solely on the scales. You can actually gain weight and be far healthier and look slimmer and, you know, so many other health benefits. But if you went on the scale, you would be heavier. And to some yeah. people, that's so terrifying that being actually heavier. Yeah, that, that's I, I all say, I'm, the same, I'm the same weight now than I was when I was a size 16. Mm. And now I'm a size 10, 12. Yeah. But I'm the same weight. Weight doesn't mean anything. Yeah, weight's just one singular measurement. And most of the time, it doesn't actually matter as much as the significance which seems to have been put on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. Just to give you an idea, um, an average is seven calories per gram of alcohol, and it's exactly the same as fat. So people who go on a fat loss, like I'm going to cut out fat, but mm. I'm going to drink alcohol, you're actually just eating exactly the same amount of calories. Yeah. So just a, a quick word on for, for those who think of, like we, we do get taught this sometimes, that um, things like red wine have resveratrol in. Mm-hmm. So a glass of red wine, that's actually healthy for you. It's a lot of the time, most of us know that that's just an excuse just to give yourself a glass of red wine. Um, <laughs> the, the whole thing was that resveratrol helps the heart, helps prevent blood clots, can control cholesterol. Um, and that could be true, but we can get resveratrol from other places apart from just red, <laughs> red wine. <laughs> yeah, because in the red wine, some red grapes or yeah, blueberries. Or... Yeah, the, the negative health effects of the alcohol in the wine are probably far going to outweigh the small benefit of the resveratrol. So we just need to light ourselves, really. So have we got any top tips, Dan, on how to stop drinking? Yeah, so like we always say, the first step is awareness. If you if you figure out you have a problem with alcohol, then just become aware of it to begin with. Um, most people don't. So most of us can drink responsibly. I, I drink maybe once in a weekend, but I know my limits. Um, I've overdone it recently. And uh, yeah, the consequences were there. And I wish I <laughs> didn't do it. Um, but luckily <laughs> for me... Like we spoke last week about sugar. Sugar's been a problem for me my whole life. I, I seem to struggle with that. I've never really struggled with alcohol. It hasn't been a thing for me. I can I can have it in the fridge in the cupboards at home and I don't go to it every night. It's, so I'm quite fortunate that way. Um, but tips to reduce alcohol, just drink less. So if you have a large glass of wine every night, just drink a smaller glass um, and then don't drink as often. So reduce the frequency. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are drinking, try and have fat and protein that helps with the digestion. It doesn't hit you so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, get it out of sight. We say this like atomic habits talks about this, just get it out of sight. If you can't see it every day, if it's not in the house, the chances that you're going to have it reduce significantly. So just don't have it in the house. Um, replace it with non-alcoholic versions of drink. There's actually a really good selection of non-alcoholic drinks now. So yeah. I went out last Saturday and I just took the car and I just, I just drank non-alcoholic um, Kotterberg cider all day that tasted exactly the same this is actually this is weird because the placebo effect kicked in honestly I felt pissed and I, I didn't have a drop of alcohol for hours but because it tasted exactly the same and the bottle looked the same and everyone else yeah. who I was with was drinking were drinking Kotterbergs and I swear if someone just switched the drinks I wouldn't have had a I wouldn't have known yeah and I was saying honestly do I feel a bit drunk <laughs> I've had like three or four of these now it was strange because 
I've associated yeah. that taste in that bottle with Ex- being drunk. Yeah. It was weird. So like whether I was just being soft, I don't know, but like just be careful <laughs> anyone who has, who has the car. Because I was like, am I can I feel this? But obviously yeah. if I if I got if I got like a blood alcohol test, it would have been zero. But yeah, it was a bit strange. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> there is no alcoholic versions. Um you can do things like drink fruit juice in a wine glass. So like you're replacing that. Yeah. Um, like it's a little bit of a mental trick, but yeah, those would be my top tips. Yeah, mine are similar to you. Like there are so many good quality non-alcoholic stuff now. I think though now, because at first, when I was first not drinking, I did drink a lot of non-alcoholic stuff. And I think that was kind of the habit. But now I think like, because I'm coming up to six months, I've kind of even got out of that habit now. Mm. And I, I'm just even like just drinking water and not even like going to get a can or anything like that, you know? So it's... Yeah, you're further down the road, like you've bridged that gap. Yeah, oh, so... Yeah. I, but it is definitely a good way to start is to find the, non-al- the non-alcoholic lagers. Stephen, if anybody wants to know who, which ones we use, we found really good gluten-free <laughs> and um, alcohol-free. Even he drinks it now, which is like... never. He wasn't even trying to stop drinking and he's really stopped drinking as well. Yeah. Which is yeah. unreal. Yeah, because I think back in the day, like 10, 20 years ago, some of the non-alcoholic versions, there was very few around and they were disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like, remember there used to be one lager called Calibre? Yes, I remember Calibre. And it tastes like drinking an ashtray. Honestly, it was disgusting. <laughs> so I think you'd rather have the negative health effects of alcohol yeah. than try and, and drink that stuff. Now when you go into a bar and say, what's your non-alcoholic or a restaurant, what's your non-alcoholic drinks? And they've all got, some kind of botanical that you can have with tonic oh, yeah. water, which tastes a bit like gin or uh, in Marks and Spencer's, they sell this really nice um, frizzy raw. And uh, so like when uh, that was what I used when we had friends coming up the caravan who were big drinkers and I was a bit worried that I was going to get sucked into the vortex again. Yeah. And uh, they brought their Prosecco up and I just had my bottle of frizzy raw and it was just like, the same like you said it's just and you do you get that feeling like I, I when you I was laughing when you said that because mm. I had that same feeling like do I feel this I, I'm just <laughs> I drink crowd it is it's weird you do still get that oh yeah maybe that when you don't drink you actually like this happened to me when I used to like I, I never used to smoke by the way but I used to um so you know when you're at university and you have a bit of dope and you smoke it then I realized that if I didn't have the dope in and just smoked cigarettes, I still got the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I was yeah. never a smoker or a doper, but you know, like when you you experiment and, and uh, so I, this it's it's bizarre. Like when you're with people who are drinking and you're not drinking, you still feel. I don't know whether you get just sucked into the vibe of the the crowd. And There's got to be something, yeah, hundred percent. It's more energetic, isn't it? It's an energetic thing. Than yeah, a, it works the other way around as well when everyone's seen those things that like they've done like on TV sketches and stuff where they, they give someone non-alcoholic stuff and but they tell them it's alcoholic and then people start acting drunk. Yeah. And then it it's, it's definitely this, but obviously we've done a whole show about the placebo effect. But there's um, definitely something in that. Like oh, yeah. if you stop drinking, but go out and still drink like you were drinking, but it's non-alcoholic, you still get that vibe of, but then you don't get the hangover the next day and yeah. you can drive your car home. So it's it's a win-win situation, guys. Yeah, that was exactly like me last weekend. At some yes. point, at one point, I thought, am I, am I a little bit drunk here? But then <laughs> I still drove and I wasn't hungover the next day. I so. knew exactly <laughs> when you said that, because I was the same when, when I was drinking my frizzy. I was actually looking at the bottles and does it actually have a little <laughs> bit of alcohol in this? Or, or has someone actually given me a, 
an alcoholic one by mistake uh, to take the piss. But they taste identical. They taste identical, and like, and if a lot of alcohol drinking is the ritual around it as well, I think there's there's a big ritual around alcohol, especially wine. You know, like you have a nice glass and all of that, or gin tonic. You know, you get your ice and you slice yeah, it's the, and all the presentation that. and it's going out and it's getting dressed yeah, up yeah it's yeah. all of that stuff there's a lot of ritual around it so you can still have that ritual but just not have the the alcohol yeah. the ritual without yeah. the alcohol that might and, be and, my new tagline <laughs> yeah, and, and luckily <laughs> like it's big business it's like it's massively trending at the moment the for whatever reason there's, there's been a shift and big companies uh, are spending a lot of investment in non-alcoholic stuff so that's that's yeah. definitely a good sign and i think the more people who go out and ask for it the more that they're gonna be because i was talking to a barman who's in there's so many people now asking for non-alcoholic yeah, stuff yeah. that i think it's like the way forward um so take your car like we said if you're going out that's oh, one yeah. way to do it and honestly it just nobody questions yeah i found that's the easiest way ever just so oh, i'm driving at the night nobody says anything um, a, lot of, a lot of the time people are actually thankful because they ask for a lift yeah exactly <laughs> um be strong with your boundaries get used to saying no around alcohol because i think that's something people just assume that you're going to have a drink or you know assume just but get strong around say no like there'll always be people saying, "Oh, just have one. What? What's the problem? Oh, uh, you know, what's uh, you know? Just own it, yeah. Own it. Become the person who doesn't drink. Like what um, J- James Clear says in Atomic Habits. You know, the the personification of the habit is the self actualization of it, isn't it? That's the point where mm-hmm. you become the person. Become the person who does the thing. Yeah, and then you'll start to attract people who are in the same mind yeah. frame as you. People yeah. who. People who you just out. associated with drink. So I noticed I went in my kind of mid-20s. I did six months without alcohol. And I noticed there was a few people who I just didn't see anymore. Because I would only ever see them if I went to the pub or on yeah, a night out. So yeah. honestly, I didn't see them at all for like yeah. six months. <laughs> and it wasn't like it? I wasn't like judging them or whatever, but it's just it definitely I definitely noticed. It was only a few people, but other people I would see at the gym, or we would play football, or we would, you know, to socialize. But there was a few of them who I just Oh, I'm seeing him for like months. Yeah. <laughs> so him in the pub. Yeah, and actually, it it becomes very freeing not to drink. Um, mm. Me and my friend were at the caravan, a different friend, and she doesn't drink either. And we were like walking on the beach at eleven o'clock at night, going, "Isn't this so nice?" So we're walking out here, we're appreciating everything. We're not rolling around. We're not pissed. We're not thinking about getting back to have a drink. And she was like, "You know, like people think that people think that we are construct. Like if you don't drink." that you or you don't smoke or you don't I don't know if you don't you, you're healthy that you live in a cage like it's a con you, you're putting constraints around you you're not you're actually freeing yourself from the cage yeah you're, you've got the cage around you you're That's the one the crutch, who, yeah yeah you're the one who's beholden to alcohol to sugar to sitting on the telly sitting watching netflix all day yeah, it's yeah. like that is the cage we're actually freeing ourselves from the cage and being able to live our lives in purposeful meaning yeah and initially if you if you make the transition to come off alcohol or cigarettes or whatever thing that that's negative towards you it requires discipline to get going like you kind of deny that coming off these things is easy because it's not like it's it's really difficult but there's that paradox of Discipline equals freedom. Yeah, it totally does. It, it doesn't. It sounds stupid to say, well, if you're uh, more disciplined, that doesn't give you more freedom. But if you're not relying on something else, 
then that gives you more freedom in your life as a as a yeah. total. Absolutely, it's, is true. It's like and you don't see it until you've done it, because while you're still drinking, you you see the other people as kind of restrained, but they're not. They're free. <laughs> they're yeah, free from yeah. It. But that's just your projection of yourself onto them, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, and you can't say to anyone like, oh, it's time to give up alcohol. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to want to do it. And I think for me doing all the breath work stuff, like now I find it really easy to tap into my own intuition. And if you really, mm. really tap into your intu- intuition and your gut, you gut will be telling you that it's not good for you. Yeah, yeah. And like going back to what I kind of said at the start, that like Jordan Peterson was saying, you need to find something more meaningful in your life. Yeah. Because alcohol is a hell of a drug. Like in the short term, it's, it can be really fun. Mm. But if you don't have any anything more meaningful than that, you're just going to keep going back to it to find that fun. But it's it comes with big consequences. Massive, massive health consequences. And if you're a woman and you're in perimenopause and you're suffering with, you know, the hot sweats, the brain fog, the all of that kind of stuff, the weight gain, then that's the first place you've got to go to. It's like anything, isn't it? When people say, oh, I really want to lose weight. I want to get fit. I want to get healthy. And then you say to them, right, okay, then you've got to give up alcohol. You've got to give up sugar. You've got to, give up, you've got to go to the gym three times a week. It's like, well, maybe I don't want it. But those are the things that you've got to do. And I remember, yeah. I was just thinking about this the other day, like how long ago was it when we went to the Czech Institute? It was like five years ago. And I remember we went out for a meal with Lee and uh, – that other guy. What's the other guy called? You know, the little fella. The little fella. Gavin Jones. Gavin. <laughs> I'll, I'll edit the little fella. <laughs> He's listening. <laughs> so we, we went yeah. out for a meal and I remember Lee in particular. So like he, he ordered water to drink and it came in a bottle with a glass of ice and he tipped the ice out straight away and just took the water in the bottle. Like, cause obviously the ice is from an unknown water source. <laughs> and um, then he just ordered like non-starchy stuff like vegetables and, and meat, of course, a lot of meat. And I was sitting looking at him going, thinking, God, he's, he lives like a monk. But actually I've realized now that I probably, if, if I went out for a meal now with Lee, I would probably think exactly the same as him. Yeah. And, and, all the Czech Institute coaches were like that, but some of them were to the next degree where they just wouldn't go and eat at a restaurant because they couldn't control it themselves. Because you can't really control what the chef cooks, the what cooking oils they use, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, Gavin Jennings remember him having like a debate with the chef. Type <laughs> saying, "Look, can you do you mind cooking in like um, coconut oil or something?" Because um, when you use all this dairy and and vegetable oils, I'm allergic to it. And the chef was like, "No, no, it's it's hard healthy." It's the <laughs> Gavin yeah. Jennings. I like, look, I'm a health coach. <laughs> you can just do it and they've got this whole debate so yeah, yeah there's there's levels to it isn't there there is different levels but i remember sitting looking at lego and oh my god he's like a monk and now i, I remember the same thing yeah i probably exactly the same like they bring their own salt there cutlery <laughs> got... I mean, warren bringing his own cutlery everywhere <laughs> uh, I'm not yeah, the salt the salt yet, but... every every time they had a like a bite of the meal they would put the fork down and just chew yeah. till it was liquefied and almost uh-huh. thinking, like, well, yeah, it's just all very simple stuff. Just so thanking you, thank you to the lamb or the cow or the chicken that provided yeah. you with the food. Remember, we once were in that Italian restaurant. We did a group meditation, uh, food prayer before we started. And like, <laughs> it was on a Saturday <laughs> night, like eight o'clock. And the rest of the restaurant was like, "What the hell was people doing?" Well, all our hands over the meal, cult. saying thank you to the to the food, like a food prayer. But it was like 
end of the day, even if you believe in that stuff or not, we we're all kind of laughing and smiling and happy when we were doing it. Yeah. And that's, that's good for digestion, like regardless. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. So it is, it's like you do realize it's only when you stop and look backwards that you feel how far you've come. And these things are incremental, aren't they? Like I would never say to any, like it was funny the other day I put on a post on uh, Facebook about like me being six months alcohol free. And uh, this lady said, what did you do? How did you do it? Did you follow a program? I was like, no, I just stopped. <laughs> yeah, like, and yeah, end of the day, all these all these tactics, like there's there's there comes a time when one day you just have to stop. You and just not, stop, and you just get to the point. Yeah, yeah, I just got to the yeah. point where I went like it's no longer serving me anymore. I don't need it. I don't need it in my life. I'll just let it go. And mm. it just went. And that was it. That's like that eventually. And I've never looked back at since I've never ever thought I needed it. Yeah, it's like one, well, let's say one day. I'll do it one day. One day yeah. has to become day one. Like you just, and you have to accept that it might be difficult. Like you, you, you didn't really struggle with it, but some people will. And there's no two ways about it. That there's no magic formula where it's, it might be easy for you. Okay, if it's if you're gonna struggle, you're gonna struggle. But it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean you don't do it. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like there's there's consequences like withdrawals are difficult but that kind of shows that you're doing something good for you i think initially yeah yeah so anyway all i invite you to do listeners is to maybe just have a think about how often you are drinking and why and how it's affecting your health and it might not be affecting your health right now but it will there are no two ways about it it will yeah lasting damage lasting mm-hmm. damage and um yeah and bridge the gap Bridge the gap. Like there's we've given loads of, there's actually loads of easy tactics to use for this one. Um, some of them are a little bit trickier. Like, I don't know if you if you have a real drug addiction, like it's probably hard to come off those type of things. So alcohol is like you can bridge the gap in little increments and make it easy for yourself, I would say. Like you yeah. say, just drink less, drink less frequently, non-alcoholic stuff. Um, yeah, there's there's loads of tactics. And mm-hmm. if 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 you know you should be coming off alcohol or reducing it. You've probably known for a while, so you probably you will know. You will yeah. know. Yeah, true. All right, yeah. good one, Joe. Yep, excellent. Thanks, Dan, for that. So, um, of course, um, you can find me at my website, organicpilates.co.uk, and do get in touch if you need any any help or support with with this. Um, because I know it's not easy, and I've done it now, but I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna see if I can do a year. It would be interesting if you came back in like in a couple of weeks and you were like, Dan, I had a drink last night and <laughs> this is this is what happened. This is what happened. Yeah. I know it was funny because Stephen had a really nice beer the other day and I love, I love Ray Leo. And uh, he was like, oh, hey, I'll just have a taste of those pastas. And he goes, oh, have a taste of this. It's really nice. And I was like, then he was like, will it knock you off? <laughs> oh, that, that's that's the interesting part, isn't it? A lot of sometimes uh-huh. addiction is being able to have a little bit and not go back to it. Uh-huh. Well, I thought, yeah. well, that's it. So I thought, yeah. right, right, I'm going to see. So I just had like a mouthful, a taste of it, and it's yeah. fine. I didn't feel yeah. the need to like dive back into alcohol. No, nah, it would have been funny if you said Stephen found you in the gutter two days and later. Then, like, two, and then I thought, <laughs> I'll just down six pints. <laughs> yeah. No, but it was fine. I was all right. So yes, you can find me at organicpilates.co.uk. And um, Dan is at his sports centre in Coxo. Yep. And the podcast is out there in the universe. <laughs> On Spotify and everywhere else, you know the places now. Just remember to hit like, subscribe, helps us get the podcast out there. Yeah, we'll be back again soon. Yep, see you later.